Hey, Pat. Favorite, favorite news story on the show today. What is that? What would it be? Oh. Uh, <laughs> so hard to choose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Credit Suisse, perhaps? Yeah, I like that. Because yeah, that's a great one. it sounds like it's not happening here. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, Credit Suisse uh, Bank, uh, possibly by the time you hear this, maybe it has gone over. Maybe. I can guarantee you. You won't know for five years because the Fed uh, doesn't have to report anything to us mortals uh, for five years. But I guarantee you in five years from today, they will release that they have poured billions, if not million, uh, if not trillions into the market over in Europe. The market took a beating on the banks and Moody's downgraded uh, our banking, our entire banking industry. Went from stable to, what is it, danger? Negative. Negative, yeah. Uh, but Glenn, that'll never happen. Well, it, it just did, so we got that going for us. Uh, tonight, you got to watch the uh, TV show. We, we, we'll have all of the information on what you're actually facing. Uh, and we'll tell you that, not to scare you, we tell you that so you can mentally prepare and physically prepare yourself for the next phase of whatever comes. We, we had a lot on the show uh, today. We also talked about uh, guns with Ken Paxton and how do we stop an out-of-control government. Uh, Ken Paxton is the attorney general of the great state of Texas, and I think he said he has 38 cases against Joe Biden right now. I think it was 45. 40. It is crazy mm-hmm. how out of control they are. Uh, all right, that's all on the podcast brought to you by Relief Factor. Are you in pain? Get out of pain. Okay, And I know you've tried everything. If you're like me, I mean, I literally said to my wife, she said, you got to try Relief Factor. I said, honey, it it reduces inflammation. That's not going to help me. Nothing reduces the inflammation. And I think my pain is a little more than that. And uh, she was like, oh, and I said, well, I'm sorry. I'm in pain right now, but I've gone to the Mayo Clinic. No, nobody can solve this pain. Relief Factor is going to? She said, I don't want to hear you whining unless you try everything. I did. Three weeks later, I I was shocked that it worked. Please, just try it. Take my wife's advice. Try it for three weeks. Take it as directed. Get your life back. ReliefFactor.com. ReliefFactor.com or 800, the number four, Relief. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Okay, so no biggie, no biggie. Uh, Russia and the United States got into a little squabble yesterday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, just a little drone, drone situation. Was down, it was no big deal. Actually, international airspace. Yeah, it actually isn't a big deal normally. It may become a big deal because we keep pounding our chest, uh, which is uh, not 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 the smartest thing to do uh, right now. Uh, by the way, so you know, if we do go to war, the Pentagon has its new strategic management plan out, and it is it's fantastic. It's fantastic, and I mean this sincerely. Uh, roughly one out of every six pages dedicated to diversity and climate change. So, um, in fact, they're prioritizing climate and diversity and equity and inclusion 
uh, as their short-term goals at the Pentagon. They want to make sure they have that ready to go by 2026. So they, uh, one of the three goals focuses entirely on managing anticipated impacts of uh, climate change. Like, I would think poverty might be one of those things, you know? Um, mm. but, but maybe not. Um, then the second goal out of the three uh, is, you know, the broader diversity, equity, and inclusion. Hmm. And the good thing is, what they're doing is they're going to department, they're going to a partner with the universities to be able to get mm-hmm. new recruits to come in. And mm-hmm. I would think the universities would be the first place I would go to find a soldier. Oh, yeah. You know I mean? yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's going to be. So don't worry. If we go to war, All right, enough of that. Uh, uh, The new report out from the government. What are they worried about? Well, uh, they are quite upset that crash test dummies are not diverse enough. Oh, they're too white? Yeah. I I don't think I've ever seen a, a, a dummy of color. Have you? I haven't. Have you seen a dummy of color? I haven't seen a lesbian I, <laughs> dummy either. No, that's... I haven't you either. Know, I haven't seen I have it. not and either. I think some transgendered right? uh, dummies who mm-hmm. might be fat and mm-hmm. black... Right. You know, mm-hmm. should be in the seats be because they're people too. Yeah. So... They need to crash just they, like white people do. Exactly. <laughs> Smash into the dashboard. Exactly right. Go through the windshield. Yeah. This is how... This is how so crazy stupid. this is. You know, you're you're looking at the dummy. What the crash test dummy is supposed to tell you is how your bones and flesh will behave in a car accident, okay? Mm-hmm. Not the color the color of your skin makes no difference. <laughs> but I thought we had learned that. Uh so anyway. Um, Debbie Wasserman Schultz yesterday uh, said Americans are to blame for the fentanyl smuggling. Now, I thought, I thought she was blaming people saying because the demand is high here. Okay. You want that highly addictive, deadly drug. And so, you know, that's Mm -hmm. why it's being smuggled. And she would have a point. But no, no, no. That's not her point. Her point is that xenophobia Stops border reform. (laughs) What? And because we're so Uh, racist, we will not go for border reform. And that's why that's why fentanyl is coming through. I just I'm pointing these out. Makes sense. I'm pointing these out because I just I want to find an expert anywhere on any subject that is correct. Okay, stop listening to the experts. Stop it right now. By the way, Granholm has been uh, she's um, she's been asked to, um, to, to just can you just define what you were talking about um, where we can we can learn from China on climate change. What what exactly is it that we can we can learn? She said. Uh, the Chinese have tackled climate change and they've been very sensitive and they've actually invested a lot in their solutions to achieve their goals. Uh, 
Now, if their goals are to destroy the West, I would agree with you. On climate change, I you keep using those words. I do not think they mean what you think it means. Uh, because I, I, well, I'd like to hear. She, she hasn't answered. Um, hmm. But if you are in New York and you're the attorney general, okay, you're the attorney, you are the chief law enforcement person in New York. What are you concentrating on? Okay, I would say, you know, crime. 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 Maybe mm-hmm. the murder rate that is gone. No, no, no. The AG's office in New York is proud to host a Drag Queen Story Hour readathon this Sunday from 11 till 3. Um, they're going to have uh, the Attorney General will be there. Uh, drag storytellers and city and state elected leaders are going to be there. Hopefully they've invited a lot of three-year-olds to this event. Oh, it's going to be the safest place on the planet for yeah. your children. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course it will. So hopefully all of New York's children will be gathered all around. All of them will be there. Now, you can't get <clears throat> tickets, um, but, uh, you know, uh, it, all the all the, all the the people that are co-sponsoring this event are all Democrats, but... Uh, Hmm. New York City Mayor Eric Adams uh, has previously praised the pack, uh, practice of having drag queens read, uh, read to uh, children. I I would like to hear from the expert on what new information we have. About how healthy that is? Uh, how healthy that is. Because yeah, you know I, it is, yo, right? Of course I do. Yeah, it's the only reason they're trying to force this on our children is because they understand it's so healthy Because for the experts know they things know. that we don't know. They know. Okay? Well, they're, that's why they're experts. Right. And it's not the goal is not for just our children to be academically smart, but also emotionally intelligent. And drag storytellers uh, support that. <laughs> i'm not making it up i am not making it up Ugh. meanwhile a transgender f- pro fat doctor is furious that four thin white uh white rich able-bodied cisgender men were behind the movie the whale after it won its oscar award i hate thin white cisgendered, cisgendered fat fat Oh no! Non-fat. Thin, non-fat. They're thin. Yeah, yeah they're. Thin. They probably Men. hate fat. Although they made a movie about about a, a fat person, fat person who won the Academy Award right. for portraying that. Yeah, person. and it wasn't it wasn't prosthetics. I thought it was. It no, wasn't. He, he gained, gained all that bunch weight. of weight for that. Yeah, a lot of weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would never. That would be the last role. Yeah, I would play that role, and then I'd be like, you don't know what? I'm not gonna lose the weight. <laughs> Are there any other roles for really fat people? (laughs) Well, when you go from George of the Jungle, where he was ripped, you know, at washboard abs, to the whale, uh, you're going to win an Oscar. That's going to happen every time. If you were once, you know, super attractive, but you make yourself unattractive for a role, that's a lock for the Oscar. Sure. Mm -hmm. Sure. You know, you got to go that extra mile. Yeah. If you yeah. are, if you're a, a model, a beautiful, beautiful woman, mm-hmm. and you're willing to say, I want to play the Joker, and I'll literally cut my face up. Right. You'll probably get an Oscar. You probably will. Because, yeah, you, probably will. you know, that's not, 
Mm-hmm. Look, you're not you're not doing anything. It's almost a sin not to cut your face up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I know. Uh, you know, you say that's that's mutilation. No, 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 no. You're a consenting adult. But even if you were five years old, you make any cuts on your body you want. Mutilation. Where did that even word? Where did that come no, from? Where did that come from? Mm-hmm. That's Bible thumpers. Oh, geez. you know, Christian nationalists. <laughs> Yeah. You know, like, well, you, uh, for instance. I, me? Yeah. I'm a Christian yeah. nationalist. Christian nationalist. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah I yeah. didn't know that. Have you read the Daily Cost yet today? Because you, you need to. You <laughs> really? I, yeah, No, I, I haven't. And dare I say, no one has. Nobody. <laughs> I might be the only person <laughs> yeah. who read this. Yeah, yeah. No one has read that. This, uh, here's the headline. This is very bad. Glenn Beck has purchased a trove of Roe documents, Roe v. Wade documents, for his revisionist history museum. Bum, bum, bum! bum! Yeah. Ooh, it's scary. It It is scary. Mm-hmm. Sickeningly. Uh, <laughs> is that your word or their word? It's his word. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is the exact opposite of what the seller wanted to have happen. Oh. Yeah, the exact I, opposite. Had I known that, mm-hmm. I might have bid more. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Oh, I remember the days when Glenn Moody's will never downgrade the United States, which they did. Uh, Glenn, they would never. Our banking sector is the strongest in the world. Following the biggest bank failure since the financial crisis of 2008, yesterday, Moody's Investor Service downgraded its rating for the entire U.S. banking system. They went from stable to negative. Okay, that's good. That's why your stock market is down about 600 points uh, right now. Uh, And you look like you are on the verge of having bank failures in uh, Europe, one in France, one is Credit Suisse. Uh, I'm surprised uh, if Deutsche Bank is not involved in that, but I can guarantee you we are shoveling money towards Europe right now to uh, stop the contagion, but it is coming. Please prepare yourself. Ken Paxton is here. He is the uh, Texas Attorney General. Uh, and he's fighting uh, to get an injunction to freeze the ATF stabilizing pistol brace ban. Uh, have we gotten that yet, Ken? Uh, no, we haven't. But we're waiting for a ruling from the court. I'm I'm pretty optimistic, given that the uh, ATF has no authority to to regulate these these pistol braces. So, if they don't do an injunction, what's next? So then we would uh, we would proceed to um, actually trial to to make our arguments in, in, a, in a district court, arguing that this this should not be permitted. The ATF shouldn't be able to just make up new regulations that Congress didn't pass. Um, we've been pretty successful. I think we've won about eighty percent of our cases against the Department of Justice. So, you know, it always depends on the court, the judges. You never know what they're going what's going to happen on all the way up to the Supreme Court. But this to me looks like a winner. So you had an executive order come out yesterday, uh, and he has he has taken uh, the Federal Trade Commission. Uh, he has taken the Justice Department. Um, you know the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Explosives. 
Um, and he is he is pushing to have all kinds of different changes made. But isn't this the same kind of thing? This that these changes cannot go through these agencies. If you're if you're talking about a right, it, it's got to go through Congress, does it not? Oh, yeah. So this is what he's been doing from day one when he announced that, you know, we weren't going to deport people anymore. Uh, it's it's why we have 45 lawsuits against him, because he's doing this in, in all kinds of different areas. And, and to, to have his agencies or his executive orders come out on background checks that Congress, he claims, failed to do that suddenly now, if Congress doesn't do it, well, I'll just step in and do it. That's not the way the system works. He has to work with Congress. He wants to regulate more. If he wants to somehow affect our Second Amendment rights, he either has to pass a constitutional amendment or, you know, work around the edges of, of that amendment and work with Congress. He can't just do it on his own. So are, are we going to see I mean, I'm I'm sorry, because I know how hard you you and others are working. Um, you know, you've got you, you really do have 45 lawsuits against him right now, do you not? That's correct. Uh, yeah. They have they've sued us like eight times, so we're we're involved in over fifty lawsuits with the federal government right now. That is crazy. Um, it, it, I, I'm just you know we seem to be running out of time, and they just keep doing these things, and it gets worse and worse and worse. It, it, do you see a time when one of these cases will say enough is enough of all of this stuff? Because it's really the same case over and over again, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Whether you're dealing with the Second Amendment, whether you're dealing with the First Amendment, whether we're dealing with whatever uh, immigration, it's the same case over and over because it's him looking at laws, knowing he can't pass a change, that the people who elected our representatives are not going to vote for that. And so he makes his own decision to be an imperial president. That's what we're talking about. And the problem with the court system is it's not fast. It is not designed to be fast. It is because of all the litigation going on. It's it's a, It's a slow process. So I think you're gonna you're gonna need all you're gonna need Congress to step up. You're gonna need uh, you're gonna need state legislatures to step up. Like I'm encouraging my legislature right now to to pass something that will allow me to get sued by the federal government over the immigration issue, so we can take that back up and try to overturn the Arizona v. U.S. v. Arizona, which said that states can't pass their own immigration laws, which is insane because the results affect us more than it does the federal government. So what are they responding on that? Are they is do you have any support in the House in the Senate? Uh, it's uh, I, I'm we're, there's a there's a House bill and a Senate bill. I'm, we're looking at both of those. I'm actually going to go testify in front of the Border Security Committee tomorrow about about this very issue. And so, yeah, I think they've they've been listening to what what I've been saying. They've been listening to what others have been saying. I think they are going to try to pass something that will basically challenge uh, what was done by, you know, Justice Kennedy, Justice Roberts and three liberal judges where they said that Arizona couldn't pass their own immigration laws. And we can see the consequences of that. That cannot be the right result. It cannot be that states have to watch the federal government not enforce laws and then come and say, well, you can't protect yourself. That doesn't make any sense for states. So um, let me go back to putting them all together. Um I was just looking through some documents on Roe versus Wade, and uh, it wasn't just Roe versus Wade. They were trying to drag in a couple of other cases as well to make a, a fatter, more robust kind of argument. Is, is there nothing we can link together out of all of these lawsuits 
and and bring to the court and say, look, the, this is the same thing. It's an abuse of of power. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt that we can do that. But typically what and this is just the way the Supreme Court works, they like things narrowly defined. They like to make their decisions based. And this is Robert's uh, focus. He he likes to confine things to the most narrow result possible. And so we're sort of forced into making more narrow arguments about that specific violation of law as opposed to trying to make it broader. It just doesn't seem to really work with Roberts and the, and the Supreme Court. Well, that's unfortunate for us because, I, I mean, I, I like them to be very, very narrow as well, but they're using that against us right now. They're, they're just they'll abuse it in one very narrow way and then they'll come back and abuse it in another very narrow way. And they're using our strength against us. No, it's absolutely true. And that's why, you know, that's why elections matter. I mean, we've got a president that doesn't have any respect for federal law, state law, the U.S. Constitution. None of that matters to him. He's he'll he'll walk around. He call it, they call it workarounds, work around the Constitution, work around right. federal law. They have no respect for it. They're they're literally no different than, you know, we're no different than what happens in China or or, or uh, as far as our presidency. This is uh, very similar to what dictators do. Yeah. So um, may I ask you, and I know you, you haven't been, you know, doing any more than casually following this, I'm sure. But does doesn't this fit the same kind of thing that they just did with the uh, FDIC? I mean, you know, Congress has ruled it's and they've they've raised this amount several times uh, since what, 1936. And uh, they've raised it to two hundred fifty thousand. And then. The Treasury just goes in and says, no, we're going to take care of all of it. I mean, you can't do that, can you? Uh, I don't know that issue super well, but I can say this. It, it's, it's, it fits the pattern of exactly what you and I have just been talking about for the last five minutes. Exactly right. They, don't re- they just make stuff up, and then they make us stop them. And the reality is we only have so many resources to stop so many things. So they just keep throwing stuff at us. And that's why it's pretty important that other states get involved. That's why it's important that Congress gets involved. We need every possible angle to stop them from from abusing their authority and abusing the Constitution, because that's what they're doing. So how can we support you and our other AGs all around the country? I think what you're doing right now, just letting people know what we're fighting for, that it really doesn't matter. These aren't just like random lawsuits that are about even that even though immigration is a really important issue or the second amendment obviously is super important it's bigger than that it's about the power of government and whether we have a constitution that matters whether we have a constitutional republic that's going to last if we don't protect it now and people don't know that that's the fight we are going to lose it all right um uh, ken thank you so much i really appreciate all that you do um, you are really one of the uh, leaders of the AGs, uh, and you guys are making a huge, huge difference. I think, dare I say it, I think the AGs are the ones that are making the biggest difference uh, in the last couple of years. So thank you for your leadership, Ken. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you. I really appreciate you it. Bet. Have a great day. You bet. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. If you don't have a good attorney general in your state, you need one. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. My good friend uh, and a a man I so respect because he calls the dirty on both sides of the aisle. 
Uh, Peter Swizer is with us now, uh, head of the Government Accountability Institute and uh, the author of Red Handed and the co-host now of uh, The Drill Down. Welcome, Peter. How are you? I'm great, Glenn. Always good to be on with you. Thanks yeah, for thank having you. me. You bet. Um, so let's start with the uh, the Biden crime family stuff. You're following, yeah. I'm sure, what's happening in Congress. And they they keep coming out every day. I see something new. Oh, oh man, we just got some evidence. Oh, look out. We got them now. Is this should I even pay attention to that, Peter? Is something going to be done? Well, I, I think you should pay attention to it. Uh, look, what I would say, Glenn, is let's look back at how far we've come. Uh, I first wrote about, we first exposed um, the China deals that the Bidens had, the extent of the Ukraine deals. Back in 2018, I came on your show. We yeah, talked about it extensively on your podcast. We were voices crying in the wilderness. The Bidens at that point were saying, there's no deals in China. What are they talking about? We're at a stage now where they've had to admit, yes, okay, there were deals. Then the laptop emerged and, and people realized, okay, uh, Joe Biden was actually involved. There was communication. And then we are now at the point where, as I exposed in Red Handed, and again, you were really the tip of the spear in, in exposing it, who was actually giving money to the Bidens. So uh, I am encouraged by what I'm seeing. But look, here's the key thing. The leaders in Washington, I think, want to think there's going to be a legal bullet that's going to fix this. There's going to be some crime that they're going to find. That's not what this case is ultimately about. What this case is ultimately about, in my mind, uh, is about espionage, uh, because it's about who gave these tens of millions of dollars of money to the Bidens. They don't they don't dispute that they got the money. The three people that got them the money have links to the highest levels of Chinese intelligence. And so this is not going to be resolved ultimately by some prosecutor saying, oh, we found some technical crime uh, that we're going to get the Bidens on. It's going to take Congress and Capitol Hill holding the family into account for the money they were receiving, who they were receiving it from. And that's going to be the solution. So um, we need to make sure that our political leaders are doing that uh, and not just outsourcing this and hoping that some lawyer is going to do something about mm. it. Um, now, let's go to um, Ukraine. Ukraine yeah. is one of the dirtiest uh, countries as uh, far as money laundering and everything else uh, in the world. And we have had everyone from George Soros uh, Barack Obama's people, uh, Joe Biden's family, uh, the Clintons, everyone is involved in this that's shady. Um, and now we're going to war and we're sending them billions and billions of dollars. And there's no oversight. Yeah. I is this really just nothing more than a money laundering scheme? Well, yeah, I'm very concerned uh, about um, the way in which the aid is being sent to Ukraine. I, you, you and I, I know, both uh, uh, grieve for the Ukrainian people. We, we support the Ukrainian people. It's The problem is Ukraine is led by this corrupt government. I mean, let's remember Zelensky's chief financial backer, it's not even close, right. is an oligarch named Kolomoisky. 
uh, Kolomoisky uh, is known to have ripped off billions of dollars of foreign aid in the past. Right. It was something called Privat Bank that mm-hmm. um, got money from the IMF from from the United States or wasn't from it, Europe. Wasn't it like seven seven billion dollars or something like that? It, I mean, it was an extraordinary yeah. amount. Yeah, and and it basically disappeared. Correct. And one of the things that emerged was that all these like LLCs had been established. Uh, that siphoned all the money off. So that who is, that's who Zelensky is. So obviously there are Ukrainians fighting bravely for their country, but you have this cast of characters at the top of Ukraine, and then you have Americans who are making decisions, who are, have been involved in leadership here, uh, who have their hand in the trough and have had their hand in the trough not just in Ukraine, but in Russia and with Vladimir Putin. I mean, let's remember... Ten years ago, um, the Clintons, uh, uh, the um, John Podesta, uh, Hillary Clinton's campaign manager, right. counselor at the State Department, were all doing business with Vladimir Putin. He had he had already invaded uh, Georgia back in 2008. They didn't care. Um, they were taking money from oligarchs and people in in, in Russia and Ukraine. So. It, it is very hard not to look at this and say that there is a financial corruption component to this. Uh, and all the people now who want to make Zelensky the Thomas Jefferson of Central Europe um, were, have been getting rich off of people from both sides. The Clintons took money from Ukrainian oligarchs. They took money from Russian oligarchs. So the entanglements are there. And to pretend that that didn't happen, that sordid part of this history didn't happen, uh, is is not being accurate um, as to what's really going on. John Podesta has an energy company, and he got a $40 million investment from Putin's personal government investment fund, right? That's right. That's exactly right. This is it. The company is called Jewel Energy. Um, he joined the board of Jewel Energy, um, uh, you know, back, I think it was 2012, 2013. Within a couple of months, they got a $40 million investment from Rusnano, which is a sovereign wealth fund uh, that was called Putin's Child uh, by one of the Russian ministers. This was Vladimir Putin's investment fund. Um, he was happy to take that money, John Podesta was. When he then went and worked for Barack Obama in the second term, uh, and the Wall Street Journal's reported on this, uh, James Freeman did, uh, what basically happened was he tried to hide that asset. He took his ownership stake in the energy company and gave it to one of his adult daughters to try to mask the fact that these uh, you know, assets were being held. Um, you look at Hillary Clinton. When Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State, again, already Vladimir Putin had already invaded Georgia. Um, she said, we're going to come up with this scheme as Secretary of State called Skolkovo. And this was to create a Russian version of Silicon Valley. We're going to get all these big tech companies to go and invest in Russia. What could go wrong, Glenn? Well, yeah. <laughs> what, what, what went wrong is, among other things, the Pentagon under Barack Obama later said because of Skolkovo, Russia was able to get the technology for this hypersonic missile, which Jeez. they have now been using in Ukraine. Um, and, and, of course, Hillary Clinton and the Clinton Foundation collected money from the people who were running Skolkovo in Russia. They actually donated to the Clinton Foundation. So, I mean, this is all in black and white. This is not speculation. We've reported on this. You and I have talked a little bit about this in the past. 
Um, and nobody in Washington, official Washington, wants to bring this up. If you discuss these things, you're somehow undermining the Ukrainian cause. No, you're not. You're showing that the Ukrainian people have been victims not only of Vladimir Putin, but of the aggressive financial actions of elites in the United States as well. So, um, you know, when we first got into this, I thought they uh, my my the cynical part of me immediately went to they are destroying evidence. (laughs) They did so much dirty stuff over there. They're paying people off and destroying evidence. I don't know if that's true other than the labs that Hunter Biden was involved in. Um, but the uh, the money seems to me to be some sort of a payoff money laundering. Are, do you think we're going to be able to track this ever and see if any of that money came back to people here in the United States? Uh, I think it'll be hard to do. Certainly, we're going to do that. And I know you and your team are going to try to trace that. But I mean, here's here's really the problem in the nutshell, as far as I'm concerned. I I am in support of providing, you know, food supplies, even some military supplies to the Ukrainian people. What I don't want is these blank checks, these tens of billions of dollars in cash uh, that are basically being dumped into Ukraine, where you're going to have Zelensky and, of course, his chief financial backer, Kolomoisky, and these other uh, Ukrainian uh, oligarchs like, uh, um, you know, that have donated to the Clintons like Viktor Pinchuk and others. I don't want them handling that money. Um, and, of course, they are going to be handling that money. It's going to be going through their companies and their entities. That, to me, is a huge problem. The way you make sure that the Ukraine story never gets reported in terms of what was going on, the, the, the people that were doing deals mm-hmm. there, the corrupt deals. The way you make sure that story doesn't get out is you continue to pay the leaders of Ukraine and right. provide them with financial support. If you end that, um, that's when you are at risk. So it's blackmail. In my mind, there's no question. Yeah, there's no question that is got to be some motivation as to what's going on why was randy weingarten and and janet yellen there (laughs) i don't know if they're planning to change the ukrainian school curriculum i certainly hope not uh but yeah it's it's again demonstrates that randy weingarten is a political figure she's not the uh ultimately a, a a teacher an advocate for teachers but again this is part of the network because it's, it's, it's government money, but it's also NGOs and nonprofits. Uh, these are organizations like the Clinton Foundation that Randy Weingarten has given lots of money to and as head of American Federation of Teachers has done work with. They have received uh, large sums of money to do uh, various projects in Ukraine. And again, there's, there's no accountability for that. We think about government corruption and taxpayer money but there's a lot of, you know, nonprofit organizations that receive money sometimes from governments uh, to carry out um, projects in countries like Ukraine. It's 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 really a, in my mind, a very cynical takeoff of, you know, the old Rahm Emanuel line about never let a crisis go to waste. Yeah. Um, that that applies to global crises as well. That applies to war zones, unfortunately, uh, and. To see Randy Weingarten there, um, you know, provides no positive basis for anything good 
uh, to be happening in Ukraine as far as I'm concerned. Hang on just a sec, Peter, if you can. Let me give one minute break and then we'll come back to Peter. Um, Some people have the ability to fall asleep just about anywhere, whether it's bed, standing up, even talking to other people. Those people, um, you know, uh, you know, make it to be the president of the United States. Sometimes I'm just saying, uh, and that's a rare gift, usually not at that age, but, um, for the rest of us, sleepiness is a real problem. Guess what? There is a solution out there. It's called relief factor sleep. And it is amazing. Just like regular relief factor you take for pain, Relief Factor Sleep is 100% drug-free with a blend of natural ingredients designed to promote healthy sleep by reducing anxiety and distress and improving mood and promoting relaxation. I know for from experience this works. I felt the difference the first night I took it, and I'll take it you know, maybe once or twice a week. I haven't, I've had bad sleep the last couple of days, and every time I get up, my wife says, why didn't you take Relief Sleep? And I'm like, I forgot. Uh, I got to take it tonight. Get a good night's sleep. Unleash the power of great sleep by calling 800, the number four relief, 800, the number four relief. Call them now or go to relieffactor.com. Dream big, sleep tight with Relief Factor Sleep. 10 seconds, station ID. So, Peter, um, tell me about uh, uh, tell me about the D- Republicans. Do we have Republicans dirty in Ukraine as well that would uh, want to stop the investigation on this kind of stuff? Yeah, I'm sure that there are. Um, I, I think the reason that there's so much focus on, uh, for example, the Clintons um, uh, and and you know the Bidens is because. They made obvious and clear efforts uh, early on uh, to stake out claim in Ukraine. And and it really is one of the ultimate ironies, right, when you think about it, that, you know, the the, the quote unquote biggest advocates for Ukraine and Ukraine independence uh, have been people like the Bidens, ostensibly. Uh, And yet uh, Vladimir Putin chose two occasions to go into Ukraine. Uh, one time in 2014 when he moved into Crimea, which, of course, was the Obama-Biden administration. Then he skipped the Trump administration. And when Joe Biden became president of the United States, uh, he decided to move in again, um, which is really strange when you think about it, because Biden has sort of thumped his chest that I've been such a staunch supporter of Ukraine and Ukraine independence. Uh, and yet when he has been at the highest rungs of power, that's when Vladimir Putin has been the most aggressive. So he sees weakness there. But to answer your question, yes, I'm sure that there are uh, Republican political consultants uh, that have gotten you know, NGO grants to do sort of nation building work in Ukraine. The problem is, is that those efforts, of course, always go through the Ukrainian government and the Ukrainian political parties. Uh, so, and when you look at the span there, there's there's not a lot of clean hands uh, in any of the political parties there. So John Podesta's brother, Tony Podesta, was over in Ukraine, did some really, I think, some dirty stuff. All of a sudden just disappeared. Uh, he just like went away. I'm closing shop. Oh, like literally overnight. I'm shutting it all down. Yeah. Then yeah. when Biden got into office, he opened shop again. Uh, yeah. Is he involved in Ukraine again? 
Uh, I don't know if he is again, but he certainly was before. And let's yeah. remember um, Tony Podesta, of course, his brother, John you know, Podesta, ran the Hillary Clinton campaign in 2016. Tony Podesta uh, was a lobbyist who did an enormous amount of work with foreign clients, uh, some of them Russian, some of them Chinese, some of them Ukrainian, a veritable United Nations of clients. And he never registered as a foreign agent uh, under the so-called FARA Act. Right. Uh, which is, of course, what they went after, um, you know, Donald Trump's uh, campaign manager, Paul right. Manafort, for failing to file. Right. Uh, Podesta retroactively filed, I think, 30 um, uh, filings for clients after they went after Paul Manafort. Uh, they never went after John Podesta. Yeah, Department what a surprise. What a yeah, surprise. In my, mind, in my mind, I'm glad that they went after Manafort for fair violations. We Me need to too. enforce that. But you've got to be consistent. You've yeah. got to be consistent. It seems like they never are. Um, real quick, and I know this is kind of out of your expertise, but I know you know a lot about Putin. Uh, are we headed towards war? Uh, I think we are headed towards war, and I think here's the, here's the problem. Vladimir Putin has sort of put all his chips on the table in Ukraine. Uh, you have to give him some Win. way to save face. Yeah, if you say unconditional surrender, uh, that to me is a recipe to escalation. And this is the kind of man who would start using battlefield nuclear weapons. Uh, and once that happens, uh, you know, God help us all. So you have got to have some kind of a negotiated settlement that protects Ukraine, protects the Ukrainian people, but also gives Vladimir Putin something. The problem is that's not Joe Biden's strategy. Joe Biden thinks he's FDR fighting Hitler. Hitler, of course, did not have nuclear weapons. Uh, it's a totally different world we live in. Yeah, today. and we also had a plan uh, after Hitler, too, uh, where we're just saying, uh, you know what, the next guy will probably be better. The guys standing in the wings uh, do not look better uh, by far. Uh, Peter Swizer, thank you so much. You can uh, listen to his podcast. It's called The Drill Down with Peter Swizer. Na, 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 na.